A recording at 3 a.m. is rarely a good thing. When you're a Fandalite, the chance of good news ever, day or night, is zero. You're at Fandalites. Hello. Welcome. This is Book 36, The Mutation. Jake is awakened by a call from Cassie because the free hork have brought a mutated hork former host to the barn. He dies, but not before telling them that Visitor's 3 latest scheme to track down the submerged Pimelite ship is to mutate some hork and also build a sea blade ship. The gang spy the sea blade on its maiden voyage and attempt to destroy it using their various big sea animal morphs. They damage it, but then it's captured by an underwater civilization of mutated half-human fish things, known as the Nartek, who plan to use it to attack the surface dwellers. Also, their home is full of, like, sunken ships and mummified humans from various times and countries. The Animorphs try to talk their way out, but end up getting dumped and almost mummified before Tobias rescues them. They make their way to the ship to keep it out of Nartek hands, but find Visor 3 on board. A fragile alliance is formed and then almost immediately broken as they escape the Nartek world and the ship is destroyed around them. Hey, Brent. Yeah, Jenna? Was this the dumbest book yet? I don't think this was actually an Animorphs book. This is a a pulp (laughs) serial from a 1930s men's magazine. uh, And it's got all of the uncomfortable implications of any piece of fiction that features a degenerate race of humans (laughs) bent on the destruction of civilization and the handful of Westerners standing against them. Also, it's got their inscrutable science and... uh, slurry dna they, they want to chum them for dna <laughs> it's a fucking mess top to finish i know you mentioned in an earlier episode that ka recommended basically like ripping off old star trek episodes if you have to write uh 40 books a year <laughs> and this it never has that been more prevalent than in this book i i think the 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 choice to rip off the shadow over In's mouth as your sci-fi uh, <laughs> inspiration is a little dubious, but all right. Yeah, I mean, that's something we still see these days, uh, regrettably. I feel like there, we've got a lot of good Lovecraft stuff that's aware of Lovecraft's really bad feelings about the superiority of Western cultures. You're right. Uh, we get... Um... We get a lot of actually like introspective stuff, especially uh, some of the best Lovecraft stuff being put out today. I think the novel is called Lovecraft Country. It's by uh, a minority oh, yeah. author, uh, and it really wrangles with that. But then you also have a bunch of shit getting put out because the Cthulhu mythos is in the public domain that just blindly apes the genre tropes of H.P. Lovecraft's story without thinking at all about where they came from in the first place. Yeah, and that was especially true when this book was written in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, especially powerfully in force. Uh, And it also has... It it has... Okay. uh, Lovecraft had some ideas about how DNA works, and that's (laughs) that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. 
fine because he was a fucking idiot and the time he was writing in they did not have a strong understanding of how like mutation works there is no fucking excuse for this book this book was just that futurama episode with lost atlanta <laughs> the sunken city of atlanta yeah you're absolutely yes. right it's just that except we're supposed to take it very seriously and it is fucked up in a lot of ways but boy is it a dumb concept dr escaraf is homeowner <laughs> it just i i didn't hate this book it was easy to read and i don't think it, it, it mismanaged any of the characters in any sort of egregious way but boy was it not anything this yeah. book wasn't anything yeah, I mean, it was it, it was comfy and easy to read in the manner of shorts. Uh, it just it felt weirdly like not a particularly anamorph C book. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think there are some good, very good. I'll say very good a character building, especially for Jake. I feel like Jake in this book has sunk into his role as leader more fully. And he, instead of being, like, an extremely unwilling leader, he's sort of a reluctant but accepting leader. Yeah, and he has that quip about how during any given mission, at least half of the team is going to be Fucking... trouble, which is like, yeah. So obviously, he's <laughs> sort of settled into this role at this point. I loved, I love that so much. I literally laughed aloud on the subway when I read that because I was like that's so fucking true yeah I mean don't get it twisted there were several real great moments of characterization in this book like when Rachel tells Tobias that she hates it when he doesn't get taken prisoner with them which oh, I thought was I just all yeah right that was really good yeah and Jake officially calling Cassie his girlfriend even if it's only in his narration but we know we read the narration we know <laughs> And being like a little proud, he admits that he's a little proud of being called Prince when Axe called him Prince, and I, I think that makes sense to me. Absolutely. Oh, so I forgot to mention, this oh. book was ghostwritten by Erica Bobone, um, who I can't find any information about online. Nothing comes up for that name on ah, Amazon, so if this mysterious. person- And this is the only one that they wrote, the only one that they ghost wrote of Animorphs, so if they're still writing, they're doing it under another name. I like when- when the books are ghostwritten by actual ghosts. <laughs> and I think that actually explains the science in this one, because I, I think the, the person who wrote this probably, uh, she probably died in the 30s or 40s. And that's why Lovecraft is her main sci-fi touchstone and her understanding of how radiation and mutation works Shit. is so faulty. Jenna, you're saying that this book utilizes ghost science? We're getting yes. spectral biology involved Absolutely. in this? Yeah. Yes, Brent. That is exactly what I'm saying. That is so badass. I love this book now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I've used my powers for evil. <laughs> I mean, I think this book had some pretty... It had some good spooky stuff, like the weird mutated seagull with, like, the big old giant, giant eyes. Uh, anime seagull? Just the, fuck. Yeah. The, fuck. Anime Brent. seagull with, with the huge... <laughs> blue eyes it, bright it, bright electric blue eyes yeah it had yeah. gone super saiyan super, yeah super no you know, never mind super yeah, that, I don't, yeah i'm not work. gonna there's nothing i'm not there. gonna try and fit that i thought shape. there would be something there there's nothing there <laughs> which also i mean so the whole point of the nartek is that they're <laughs> deeply inbred because they extract and they do mean literally, I thought extract was a euphemism, but no, they extract DNA <laughs> out of the people that they capture. They just scoop all the organs out uh, and homogenize them into a soup. 
Yeah, yeah, basically. And then and just stuff sort of the, the, the skins. The DNA floats to the top, and they just sort of scoop it up like cream. Oh, yeah. that's a great image. You're welcome. <laughs> mm, my creamy uh, that, DNA skim. <laughs> cream the crop, baby. The the <laughs> the the idea that there are also enough seagulls to have produced weird mutated giant eyeball can see in the dark seagulls is like okay and these seagulls didn't grow like, gills okay, these aren't amphibious no. seagulls no they're just seagulls and the weird like museum setup that the nartek have where they just have all these weird mummified bodies uh, hanging around i guess i really so the nartek were wearing togas are we supposed to think that these are actually like ancient Atlantis? Like, this is just Atlantis, yeah, just, right? Just off the coast of San Francisco, sure. Absolutely, Fuck, that is where Atlantis right? is. 100%. Yep. All of the uh, History Channel documentaries agree. <laughs> oh. oh, what happened to you, History Channel? That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea for a podcast, though. Just called, What Happened to You, History Channel? <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes would that be? Because I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Because I think it's just money. It would last three and then like every episode for the next season would be just about world war ii and then <laughs> we'd start getting into the real weird ancient alien shit that's good well i mean that's basically what these are brent they're ancient aliens well no they're, they're not aliens they're humans i guess they're a degenerate race of debased humans with who, who defile the dead <sighs> and are after our precious genetic material <sighs> uh. I really wanted there to be a turn in this book where that wasn't what it was, but that just that just is what it was. That is just what it was. I have and to say, a, no, go ahead. They have a queen mm -hmm. who has no purpose. They, she's given a whole big introduction, and there's a whole big weird feast again, much like you'd see in like a weird Star Trek episode. Yeah, and then she's never mentioned again. <laughs> no, she. She has a whole big thing where she sort of negs them by speaking in other languages. And then uh, <laughs> one of them asks in French, do you speak English? And she's like, uh, of course I speak English. It's the predominant trade language of the sun world. <laughs> Which is extra funny because they were just talking to each other in English. Yeah. Up, leading up to that moment. So at any point she could have been like, I know what you guys are saying. Oh, it's English. Okay. Yeah. Negging them is a an accurate description of what she was doing. <laughs> so okay I, I do really appreciate that when they're telling because of course they have to tell the mythic history of their people in a solemn ritual this is whatever anyway so they have this whole story <laughs> and while they're telling it it's all like oh yes this this island had people and it was sinking slowly almost imperceptibly imperceptibly and every year they'd build the walls up higher and the whole time like every other sentence acts as thought speak interjecting no they didn't yeah that's not right uh <laughs> yeah. this is obviously fabricated which was pretty good he was kind yes. of a janet in this situation <laughs> not a robot <laughs> not a girl <laughs> no you didn't except that that like we don't get an alternate story i really wanted there to be some alternate story where it was just some alien bullshit it wasn't it was just the thing that they said. Yeah. Yeah. Just we, we kept building a wall and it started sloping inward and then oops, it was a dome and now we're underwater and radiation made us fish people because that's how radiation works. 
Yep, and we're inbred, so now we need to go and harvest, like, a lot more genetic material from the surface. We we need your chum for Father Dagon and Mother Hydra. <laughs> Somebody tip the ATF off about these guys. Ugh, such a mis- It's just... Yeah, I, I think about... My feelings about this book was that it it was fine. The writing was fine. The concept was just so soggy yeah. to, to use a, an, an appropriate word mm-hmm. i see what you did there <laughs> thank you and we're supposed to take it so seriously and there, up to a certain point i did because i was like okay weird fucking mutated gill hork i'm i'm on board with how fucked up this was and then it just goes off the rails and i don't follow it off the rails i'm here on the rails saying what are you doing i I have to say, I couldn't even take it seriously after we got to the Gelhork Bajir because all I could think of was Visser 3 on like a palanquin coated in white powder with a tiny little uh, mini Visser 3 also covered in white powder. Just Marlon Brando on the set of Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, fuck. Uh, that's all I could think. And I was like, oh my god, yes, it's the it's the Visser. He, he found the devil under his microscope. Oh, fuck. I mean, this, that's, okay, just hearkening back to Visor, the Visor Chronicles, Visor 3's plan here is an absolutely dumb glory grab. Like, getting the Pym ship would be great, but is this a good use of your time and resources, Visor 3? <laughs> well, also, you're just, like, wasting a bunch of hork hosts because, as Cassie points out, this has no connection whatsoever to hork bajir physiology. They just sort of <laughs> slapped some gills on there, shoved a valve in the throat. It does, I have to say, seem characteristic of, to me at least, of these this group of yurks that they've never bothered to learn anything about hork bajir uh, mm-hmm. anatomy or physiology, because why would they? They just crawl into a new hork bajir. Yeah, I also feel like to a certain extent, this is Visor 3, because he's on a planet full of hosts that he knows if he kills a hork he can just get a human host to replace it. So I feel like he has less of a concern of the very small number of hork in the world than an- another better Visor would. Why wouldn't he use humans, though? He's got like 8 billion of those just lying around. That's true. And it turns out you can just pour some nuclear material on them and they'll transform into fish people don't go getting crazy you you have to build a dome over them first and there's a lot of inbreeding in the mix yeah that's true i forgot about the inbreeding (laughs) let me tell you this book did not no it certainly didn't (laughs) it certainly did not (laughs) but also also brent there is a whole book where they were making hammerheads super smart so that they could control them. What happened to that plan, Visser? Why don't you follow through on any of your fucking plans? Well, as you know, that was a Visser 1 plan. Uh, and that was earmarked. That was some oh, of the Lyra true. invasion budget. So if they were to yeah. use any of that stuff, then they would have to like pay the, the CapEx on it again. And that's just not in this quarter's budget for the Earth invasion. And also, <laughs> as we know... Every time a facility is destroyed by the Animorphs, the ability to build a replacement is forever lost to the Yerks. <laughs> You're right. You're right on all of that. I forgot that was a Visor 1 plan. <laughs> yeah, Visor 3 would never stoop to adopting a Visor 1 plan, because then Visor 1 would be able to say, see, it did work. 
Yeah, that's true. I Instead, actually we'll get just credit for that. Staple some gills on a hork vizier and send it into the water. Ugh. Well, Ugh. that didn't work. Guess I better build a Vanta Black submarine. Fuck, yeah. Yes. And the submarine seems like it worked very well. I'm certain we'll never see another one because they fucked it up pretty bad. Right. They just ran into it a bunch. Uh, and like like I just said, once a piece of technology has been destroyed, it is forever lost and they can't make a new one. Yeah, presumably. Uh. God, what else in this book, Brent? So honestly, at the beginning, when when we first met the vivisected uh, Hork-Bajir, I thought it was a trap. Because oh. it's just so sloppy. It doesn't make any sense that he'd pick Hork-Bajir for this instead of, like, aren't taxons aquatic anyway? Don't they, I like- think they're semi, yeah, semi-aquatic. Yeah, and they kind of, they've got a little loosey-goosey, noodly thing going on. Uh, Hork-Bajir, they're, like, for climbing things. What are they going to climb in the water? Coral? No, there's no coral. You heard him. I mean, yeah, that's that's exactly correct. So, yeah, it just seemed like so weird uh, and such a bizarre plan and waste of, of hosts in the first place that I thought, well, this obviously is meant to bait the Andalite bandits into tracking down this oceanic plan, and then they'll spring a trap. And hmm. that didn't happen. Instead, we got skanky Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> gross but, but <laughs> accurate and fair yeah that would have been a much better plot brent i i was a little drawn in by the um the imagery around the city of the nartek and their weird uh sh- ship graveyard yeah yeah there was a moment where i was like this is extremely spooky and good and weird where they just come upon they just find more and more dead preserved sewn together bodies and are like just do not know how to deal with this uh unfortunately that came after the part where they mentioned that there's some sort of humanoid that dragged the ship into this weird civilization so it was like okay is it fish people is it fish people mm, I, I was giving it the benefit of the doubt that i was like all right what are the yurks up to now Mm. That would have been better. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been better yeah. if it were the Yerks. Um, oh, I will say, Vizzer, Jake has this weird moment of almost compassion, but not quite compassion, more of like a fight of fancy of what he thinks will happen to Vizzer 3 if he's captured. And Jake's like, Vizzer 3 will be made to, to morph and demorph and remorph for their amusement. Oh, what a terrible life. And that's exactly Odo's backstory from Deep Space Nine, which made me very happy. Does this work at all into your crossover fanfic? Um, I think it's actually going to be the hinge for my crossover fanfic, yes. my Animorphs Deep Space Nine epic crossover. Yes. <laughs> Ugh. Um, I mean, they mummified some hork That was weird, right? Man, I'm, well, they're, you know, they have inscrutable customs around the dead. So mm. that just fits right back into the whole thing. Yeah, I will say the ancient Greeks, if I recall correctly, did practice like a little bit of mummification. Like they definitely learned it from the Egyptians. So if this is a Greco-Roman Atlantis, that there are there is a lineage there. I don't credit the author for knowing that, <laughs> but there it is. Yeah, uh, it's just it's it's very strange uh, because the characterization for a lot of this is real good, and the writing is extremely uh 
I mean, it's workmanlike at worst. Just the whole, uh, the whole thing, the whole whatever is going on with this is so strange. And I guarantee you we'll never hear about the Nartek ever again. No, I hope not, Brent. I hope not. I mean, at least the Helmicron's got a, a like a, a shout out in Visser. Oh, that's true. Yes, we didn't even mention that because there was so fucking much going on with Visser that was so good that I wanted to talk about. Oh, that was a packed book. <sighs> it was good. This is also a book. Um, so you said we were t- <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking about this before we started recording. You said that uh, you have a theory. I-, I was expressing my confusion over why this random hork that they don't know seems to be inspiring such a thirst for vengeance in the Animorphs when I feel like they've definitely had stuff happen previously in the series that really should make this pale in comparison in terms of things that they're really after. They're like, you're so crossed a line now. And it's like, what? I think I think it's just that the author wanted this to be a very serious plot and so wanted something to sort of ground it and make it more intense. Like they, they definitely have this big conversation about how like, this is over the line. And Marco's like, well, everything the Yerks do is over the line, which is true and fair. And I'm glad Marco said that. Yes, thank you, Marco. Yeah, but it it feels like the author just really wanted this to be a very earnest and spooky story. And so it has to be sort of held down by this, the weight of these weird mutations. But to a certain extent, I feel like this is something that you can't escape with the ghostwriting, which is that if K.A. or somebody who is writing the series regularly could, she could name drop Han, Han the hork which is the, the name of the hork at the beginning that, that they discover. Like, you could name drop that and get a let us know who that is and sort of give some background so that when we have this twist where suddenly they were mutated and brought back, it's like... It has more impact, but I feel like when you when you're ghostwriting, you don't have the ability to sort of set up those plot hooks unless you're writing multiple, and you probably don't know when you get a contract whether or not you will. Yeah, that's a fair point. Which I think is kind of a shame. I feel yeah. like KA is so good at setting things up and then knocking them down a couple books later. Yeah, but we don't really we that's just. By virtue of them being ghostwritten, we don't really get that follow through. So you you mentioned, and I didn't think about this until just now, you mentioned the, the vivisected hork name. Han. Is Han. Mm-hmm. And, and it is the only hork to escape the slaughter of the failed experiment. You could say that it got out solo. <laughs> oh, Brent. So oh, it's, Brent. it's Han oh, solo? Brent. No, Brent. Uh, that was very do, good, Brent. Do you think it is? I loved it. I loved it, and more than anything, I loved your forced reluctance. You didn't. You didn't want to say it, but you didn't want it to slip by, and I respect that. <laughs> I could not say it, but I hate that I said it. Oh God, that could be another tagline for Fandalites. Oh man, it could. Um, you know, and and honestly. If the author had wanted it to be a spooky and, uh, and and serious story, I'm not sure they needed, like, the multiple scenes where Dracon beams almost cut Jake in half and then Cassie's all, hey, Jake, suck my blowhole. Fuck. God. 
That was weird. That whole sequence took so long. I It felt like it needed to be only half as long because they go through multiple, like, resurfacing and morphing back to human and then morphing back into orca and then diving again and then resurfacing. And it's I, I felt like they could have made that scene half as long and then made other parts of the book good. <laughs> I Now let's let's not say things we can't take back. <laughs> but like them discovering, like them having Han brought to the barn, I thought that was weird because it felt like they could have just had a mission where they run into Han and then that's like way more interesting than the plot dump that we get there and also later when we discover that they're inbred. Because I think they just read a book. Don't they just read a book in their library and Axe is like, I have a theory that they're all fucking inbred fish people. <laughs> yes, I believe that's about how it goes. I'm pretty certain that's an exact quote. In fact, if I, I'm looking at my notes right now, that is an exact quote of what <laughs> Axe said. Yeah. Axe does also have another, uh, an excellent quote in this where he notes, and honestly, this kind of is a pretty good tagline for the book as a whole. That this is so irrational and strange, I assume it must involve humans. <laughs> Which is fair. Mm-hmm. It's fair. It's fair. Right, because it's accurate. as we learn at the end, humans are the real monster after all. Fuck. God, Brent. That was so... It was such... Uh, uh, Brent. Well... I, I, I'm... Tr- oh, because it, it... Brent, it, it was just... Brent... It was just so, it was so, it was so 1950s. It was so much like the survivors looking back up at the spaceship as it flies off the planet saying, maybe humans are the real monsters. It was so iconically that, but in the worst way possible. I'm not thrilled that they, uh, that they took the weird turn to get there where Rachel was just lusty for genocide. God. Yeah, it seemed like that and she was like, "No, just to just to bury them, just to send them off to their gods." It's like, "Okay, what is this even? What is happening?" <laughs> hey, can we also talk about that point where this book the book says in reference to Rachel's bear claws that they are Trent Reznor nails? Yeah. That's the thing that this book actually said? Yes, it did in fact say that. And it's like, I read that and I had to stop for a moment and piece together what the intention of what they were saying was. Because I was like, does Trent Reznor, Tresner, does Trent Reznor have weird long nails? And I flashed back to the music video of that one song about how they want to fuck you like an animal. Maybe that's the tie-in. <laughs> it's regrettable. <laughs> it's a regrettable connection. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> And it's not. It's just that her inch, her nails were nine inch long. I guess, but dumb. That's dumb, Brent. It's a dumb thing to say. Oh, wait, why does what's the connection between Trent Reznor and and her nails being nine inches long? That's it. I think that's just it. I think it was just supposed to be like a metaphor, but just like a metaphor in this Animorphs book about nine inch nails. Or instead of saying she had nine inch nails, it just says Trent Reznor nails. Wait, it just wait, wait, says wait. Trent- is that what NIN stands for? I thought it was nice as neat. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I was assured by Cassie's mom that no. it means nice as neat. Oh, no, Brent. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I can't believe you remember.
remembered that. <clears throat> what a fucking callback. I'll never forget about Nice is Neat. That's where we discovered that Cassie and Marco were buds before this whole thing started. Super best, super best friends. <laughs> well, now they're super best friends, yes. Uh, uh, is there anything else about this book you want to talk about? Yeah, Visser 3, when they team up with him, has this morph that's like a a, a person made of fire, kind of. Hmm. A, a luminar. I believe is is what Axe immediately yeah. pegs it as. Yeah, uh, from a planet that also uses Latin roots. <laughs> Look, <laughs> we we play as fast and loose with linguistics as we do with DNA. Okay. <laughs> um, how did Visser Three get that morph? How did he acquire the fire person morph? Like, he had to touch it, right? How how he do? Um, how do that? Oh, maybe it's like, uh, maybe it's like in the Superman animated series, whenever Superman had to fight some variant, like some sort of Krypton monster, that you always had like a weird special suit that was made of like tinfoil or some bullshit and always had the S emblem on the chest. Do you remember? So you, you remember you're thinking that? like a giant V. With like, yeah. a, you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but it's got to be skin to skin. Oh, you're right. Oh, fuck, Brent. You're right. So is he just like holding his hand there and, uh, while it's burning to a crisp because he knows he can remorph it? Ugh, that's gross. Or probably. Or and and play along with me here. All right, I'm throwing okay. this out. Okay. The Yerks had a carnival, and the okay. Luminar was in the dunk tank. Visser 3 is the one that hit that bullseye with the baseball, so it fell in. He was able to acquire it while it was underwater and not on fire. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I, I can't think of any more or less plausible option. So yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it's probably a circus dunk tank. A Yerk circus dunk tank. That was the year that a, a taxing controller won Miss Council of 13. <laughs> is that how you get on the permanent console no you just have to sell like a lot of raffle tickets <laughs> i think that'll do it for this week <laughs> <laughs> that'll more than do it brent uh we actually have some transmissions from zero space i think oh excellent that's good because we had this is a short episode because there's not a lot to talk about other than dunking on this and also the luminar with our baseballs dunk take <laughs> So uh, we have an uh, email from Shijin83, who says, So I recently started listening to your podcast, almost caught up. I just finished listening to episode 30, and I had some thoughts on morphine rules. I think they're mm -hmm. all mental. I think this explains why there is a two-hour time limit. They can morph clothes, and why morphed humans can't thought speak. It would explain why Marco's clothes don't morph with him when he morphs a human. Going from human to human, Marco probably thinks they shouldn't, subconsciously. It's all about mm. belief and what your subconscious expects, like the time limit. The Animorphs only learned about it from the Andalite, so they have no reason to not believe it, which I think makes Tobias being a Nafa that much more tragic, because that would mean oh. he's keeping himself stuck. And humans not being able to thought-speak, I think, comes from the fact that humans aren't psychic. Debatable, I guess. Morphed humans mm. probably can thought-speak, but the Animorphs' preconceived notions of humans probably holds it back. And Axe probably doesn't, because the others convinced him humans can't. Anyway, this ran long. It doesn't sound as clever as it was in my head, lol. <laughs> to close, I love you guys, despite how you say Eric. Pretty sure that's uh, uh, that one's aimed squarely at you. 
Uh, there's no character in these books named Eric, so I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Uh, you you know him as Eric. Oh yeah, Reek. I'm sorry. How am I supposed to be saying that? Not Reek. That's a, that's a different series of books with with a whole different set of stuff and several uh, podcasts about it. Well, I apologize. I'm miserable at pronouncing words just in general and names doubly so. <laughs> but it's spelled E R E K. No, I'm not going to argue with this phantom. <laughs> Thank you for the email, though. It was very good. Is I'll try that, to be better about it. Is that Phantom with an F because it's a fan who is also a ghost? <gasps> oh, yeah. I was thinking fan, but also because fan, Fandalite. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it, it's the same fan, root, right? Fan, fandom. Yeah, fandom, exactly. Fandalite. I think that's a really good idea. The fact that it's just in their mind. Because there also have been some times where... They were pretty certain they were over the time limit, but able to sort of push through it emotionally. Yes. Right? Like, I think there's one where Marco's the giant flea and Cassie's able to sort of talk him back from the edge, which I think is a good support for this point. It's almost a trope in the Animorphs at this point that they go a few minutes over time and then it's really difficult, but they manage to do it. Yeah, which I think points to a certain a certain amount of like believe in yourself believe you can get back to human but also it would not surprise me that I, it would not surprise me if it were just tobias just tobias like doesn't want to be human so he doesn't think he can ever be human again because that has more or less borne out in all of these books would that mean that the elemist gave tobias a magic feather essentially and that the real morphine <laughs> ability was inside him all along Yes, it would mean exactly that. A very good Elemist prank. Yeah, uh, good. It is a good Elemist <laughs> prank. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, good theory. Yeah, that's excellent. Thanks for writing in. Uh, we both like that. That it, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of supporting evidence. I think in the text. Yeah. Uh, and now for real, that'll do it for this week. Okay. <laughs> Join us next week. Next week is uh, book thirty-seven, the weakness. Whose POV is that? Do you know? I think it's Rachel. Let me double check real quick. Get down with the weakness. Yes, it is Rachel. She's transforming into a cheetah. Ironically, not very weak. Oh, this is another one written by Elise Smith. Have we, we've had other stuff ghost written by her, right? Cheetah. Cheetah. I hope we get emails about how you say cheetah. And and yes, uh, we have had uh, some other Elise Smith books. Okay, or excellent. At least one. I don't know. I'd have to look at Serapiti to be sure. Well, after we'll, we'll talk about that in the next episode. After 36 plus side stories, I'm starting to lose track of, of many things. Yeah, most things, I would say, based on both of us. My life is an Animorphs rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. Well, go ahead and take us out. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, you can write us at fandalites at gmail.com. Um, we're pretty active in responding on Twitter at fandalites. Um, and sometimes Jen and I chime in with our personal accounts as well. Uh, where you have a Tumblr at fandalites.tumblr.com. You can get to our website at www.fandalites.com and our sister site at andalitetruth.org. Uh, thanks to Justin O'Dell for the use of his music for our intro and outro. And until next time, remember. Nostalgia is a drug. <laughs>